Portal Notions is brought to you by FaceFace Games, Canada's number one source for magic singles and products. Check us out at facefacegames.com. Hello, shit. <coughs> <laughs> How old am I again? 14? Good evening and welcome to episode 70 of Horde of Notions. I'm your host, Chris. With me tonight, just two of the regular hosts. First of all, it's Adina. Hello, everybody. And, of course, it's Travis. Hello. Will, not with us, as he's too busy scrubbing out of a PTQ. Yeah, him and KYT both need to be uh, beaten. With a stick. Honestly, it's terrible. They could have had the finals of the decade. But, no... Anyway, they both lost in the semi-finals of the Montreal PTQ, being on a collision course to meet up in the final, which would have uh, made everybody incredibly excited on this end of the thing, anyway. Yeah, then said two scrubs are going to make play in the finals, and one of them's going to make the Pro Tour. What's up with that? Oh, just, uh, just terrible. All right, that would have been awesome to have one of those guys on the Pro Tour, especially if it was Will. <laughs> I told you, KYT has already got at least one uh, PTQ Top 8 this season. They should have both made it, will beat him, and then KYT get the special invite. I can the best of both that. worlds, but no, they couldn't comply. <laughs> all Will no. had to do was win. Just, you know. Well, all Will and KYT had to do was win. Like, yeah. You know, just, yeah. just get there. Well, KYT was playing Bogles, so I really wasn't happy if he won anyway, but... A slippery old bogle. A slippery bogle. <laughs> but hey, at least it wasn't eggs. That is true. Yes. Leave eggs alone. There's nothing wrong with that deck. Obviously, it hasn't won anything since the Pro Tour. I had eggs for That breakfast. deck needs to be banned for the safety of the people who are playing it. Because <laughs> every time I see someone playing it, even if they're not playing me, I want to pick up a chair and bash them. Well, somebody <laughs> borrowed my eggs deck this weekend. Uh, well, this week at FNM, and went 0-2 drop. Yeah, see, that's why you don't borrow eggs. You either know how to play it or you don't know how to play it. <laughs> There's no, oh, I think I'll just pick this up and try it out. Well, he has been goldfishing it a lot, and he's played it a lot in friendly games. His problem was he'd never had to sideboard with it. That's a big problem. So he was bringing in the right cards, but he was taking out the wrong pieces. My version has a lot of redundancy. And uh, it's got two win cons main and two more in the board. And he was, he, like, he sided out Emrakul in one game because his opponent had answers to it. And instead of bringing in the Banefire, he brought in uh, a Spell Pierce instead. And I'm like, no, wrong. <laughs> Wait, Emrakul is an eggs? Yeah, really, that's what I was thinking. Remember that being in the deck. (laughs) See, in my area, I don't don't have any pyrite spell bombs, for one thing, and 
it's just that b- version is incredibly boring and it will go to time because people just won't scoop to you. Emrakul means that you can win through Graveyard Hate because Crockland Ironworks uh, lets you get there with only like eight or nine artifacts. You just cast Emrakul win the game. You don't use Grape Shot? No. Because Stifle, not Stifle, but stuff like uh, Mind Break Trap is a thing. Do you use Pirate Spellbomb? No, I have Disciple of the Vault is my other win card. Hmm. Main deck. That sounds horrible. Why? Because Lightning Bolt is everywhere. Great. Lightning Bolt my Disciple in the middle of me going off. No, they can still do it in the way to, to really fark you. Ha, no, they can't. Because in at response the, to worst, the Lightning Bolt, you're just going to keep sacrificing artifacts. At, at worst, they get me and it's gone for one cycle, and then I get it back and kill them. Path is a problem. That is true. Uh, against, but against Path, you side out Disciple and bring in Banefire. I also think it's a really bad time to be playing eggs now. Seems like the blue decks are making a rise. The yeah. band seems to be about everywhere. I do have two extra silence in my sideboard against blue. Because that seems important. I also have spells pierce and spell snare in the board just in case, but I don't. Why would you have spell pierce over dispel? Spell pierce over dispel? Uh, Rest in peace. Okay. I didn't know if you were just waiting to, if you were going to use it to stop a counter. But yeah, rest in peace, I guess. And it also gets, um, there's other stuff it gets. Uh, I can't think right now off the top of my head, but... Like, Leyline of Sanctity if it's hard cast. Or even if you... Well, no, you can't get it on turn zero. But on turn one, like, you can counter pretty much anything. Like a Tormod's Crypt. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. I love the deck, though, you know this. But you can just play around Tormod's Crypt, that's the thing. You can, but sometimes it means that it takes you an extra turn to go off, and that could be all of the all that those decks need to beat you. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's you have to be careful. Yep. Anyway, what we're here to do this week is to talk about the event decks. Uh, normally, we will review these the week they come out. We're a little bit behind on that, but there was just so much good stuff to talk about. The Gatecrash event decks, Gatecrash is going to be the last set with two different event decks. They did announce that Dragon's Maze would only have one, and there'll be one going forward. Uh, We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, we have a Simic, I believe, and a Boros deck to talk about. The Simic one is actually a little cheating, because it does have some red cards in it. But let's talk first of all about the decision to cut to one event deck per set. What do you guys think of that? I'm hoping that means they're going to make it a better deck. Yeah, Maybe I mean, like I w- if they raise the price and then put better cards in it, I'd be all about it. I mean, I, I think that the problem that they've had is that in in the sets and previously, there's always been one deck that was significantly better than the other deck. So you had two event decks, and everybody was just buying one of them because it was the better one, and people were always comparing them and saying, well, you know, I'm only getting one event deck. People weren't going out and buying both of them. They were just picking the better one, so why make the worse one if nobody's going to buy it? Just make the better one. 
Well, that's fair. Uh, I think, as we'll find out shortly, they may have broken that trend with this set, because both of these decks look decent. Uh, they do look okay. But then you run into the problem where if people compare the two and they can't figure out which one to buy, they buy neither. I don't think that happens. I think these event decks are meant for people who show up and want to play their first FNM. Or, you know, for storekeepers to say, oh, you're thinking of coming to FNM? Well, these decks are perfect for FNM. Says so right on the box. True. Although I think they took that off after the Stone <laughs> Stoneforge Mystic thing. True, but happened. the people who aren't are just coming to their first FNM to play it, they don't want to spend 20 bucks to play their first FNM. They want to just bring a deck and try it out and see how they like it. I think this this is actually more appealing to people who have played for a while and, you know, they've been playing their casual deck. They know they like coming to FNM, and now they want to step it up and be a little bit more competitive because their casual deck just isn't cutting it, and they realize, okay, I need something more competitive. That or they just want to fill in the holes in their collection. That too. Yeah, that's a possibility. But... Yeah, having just one event deck per set, it's interesting because most of the event decks have five or six rares in them. And sometimes you've had some incredibly high-value rares in the decks that have made them worth picking up just because they were good value. Uh, a couple of times we've re- we've requested or suggested that. Yeah, I but, think there's at least in one of these that could probably still be true. Yeah, for sure. In fact, I think maybe for both of them. But... If you only have one event deck coming out, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what that does to the value of them going forward. Because you know that the the expectation is going to be there that these will be worth a lot of money. So I hope that they do live up to that. So let's dive in. Uh, should we start with the Simic one? Thrive and that sounds thrash. Like a good, uh, is that the one you're talking about? Thrive and Thrash. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so I'm Boros, so I should probably read the Boros one. I'm Simic. There you go. All right. Thrive and Thrash. Giggity. For the main deck, we have two Evolving Wilds, ten Forest, six Island, one Mountain, and four Simic Guildgate. So you're running a total of 23 lands. You have 23 creatures, two Acidic Slime, four Arbor Elf, Three Borderland Ranger, one Deadeye Navigator, one Dungeon Geist, two Fog Bank, one Gruel Rage Beast, two Mesh Raven, one Sphinx of Athun, three Strangle Root Geist, one Thrag Tusk, one Wolfier Silverheart, and one Yiva Nature's Herald. And then you have 14 spells. One Bramble Crush, four Farseek, two Ground Assault, three Urban Evolution, and four Verdant Haven. The sideboard has four Dissipate, four Flames of the Firebrand, two Naturalize, two Negate, and three Rancor. Lots of good stuff in this one. Yeah, Yeah. but I think, without actually looking up prices, that the most valuable card in this deck might be Rancor. Well, <laughs> duh, Thragtuck. The most valuable non-rare, you mean? <laughs> well, Rancor might be the second most valuable card in the deck. Uh, Wolfer Silverheart fluctuates when it's... Uh, it's, two bucks. it's two bucks on face-to-face games right now. Okay. I still think yeah. that it's still primed for a comeback, in my opinion. Don't call it a comeback. It's been here for years. What about Dungeon Geist? 
Uh, they're three bucks. I think Dead Eye Navigator is ridiculously underpriced at 75 cents. Yes. Dungeon Geist was really, really good until they printed Restoration Angel and thereby made it crap. Yep. Buck uh, fifty. But yeah, three Rancors is sick. Um, if you don't have them, a place at a Far Seek is really good. Urban Evolution is one of my favorite cards in the set. I have two foil French ones. <laughs> you have two non-foil French ones? Uh, probably. <laughs> Ship. <laughs> the only thing I'm confused is why do they really push the red into this? Yeah, like they splash I mean, it, red, but they splash really it for... Good. And, and Gruel Rage Beast. Like, I, I mean, there are great cards that they could have splashed red for, and I think they kind of pick not such, not the best one. Well, Gruel Rage Beast has a really nice combo with Dead Eye Navigator and Acidic Slime, for example. Sure. Um, providing the Acidic Slime survives the fight. But even if it doesn't, you bring it in, you pair it with the Navigator, you destroy a land... You fight a 1-1 one, one, or anything, you know. You just fight something and then blink it and fight something. And Getting three Strangle Root Geist isn't bad either. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's true. Fog Bank, I think, is uh, terrible. Yeah. Doesn't really suit the nature of the deck. I mean, there's a lot of really good synergies in here, especially if you manage to get Dead Eye Navigator going. Um and it's got a great ramp package. If you don't have a ramp deck, it's a great way to get that going. Arbor Elves and Far Seeks. Yep. Um, Urban Evolution, Urban Evolution. Is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's and, uh, a lot of useful... Yeah. And Far Seek, I mean, that's obviously huge. So, you know, it, it's good to get all those all those good uncommons, you know, into your collection. Well, it's like we were saying earlier, this would be a great starting point for a, a deck. If you were going to play something um, like Simic and Standard, this is definitely a way you could go with Ramp, Farseek, Arbor Elf, Urban Evolution, and Ramp into things like Dead Eye Navigator and Thrag Tusk, which, you know, if you get those two going together, it's absolutely gross. Yep. Now, I should point out that Thrag Tusk has plummeted in value to around $15, mainly because they keep putting it in event decks. You think they're going to start doing the same to uh, Boros Reckoner? Uh, it's possible. Spoiler season. Uh but looking at this deck, okay, so I actually think this is a bad choice uh, for somebody who's not experienced in playing at FNMs because the, the sideboard choices are not straightforward uh, if you play it out of the box. And the deck doesn't play in a straightforward fashion. Most of the decks we've seen, except for the Birthing Pod one back in, uh, what was that, Dark Ascension? Don't remember. Okay. But a lot of the a lot of the cards in this deck, like... It seems to be based around Dead Eye Navigator, but you're only running one of them. Yeah, it does look like it's screaming for a second Dead Eye Navigator. I mean, I can understand them probably not wanting to put two in here, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the synergies in the deck. It it's like I mean, if you're going to splash, why splash red? Why not splash white for the uh, cloud? Whatever the cloud shift. Cloud shift. I mean, that yeah. would synergistically would fit with the deck a whole lot better. Well, you could even just throw in Conjurer's Closet. Or even that. That would be great. You know? Uh, so let's, first of all, what, what if we want to make this deck better, what are we taking out? I think Fog Bank is the first place to start. Yep. I would probably put Dungeon Geist in the sideboard. Yeah. So that's three cards gone. Uh, Yeva is... I like Yeva, but 
Well, I guess there are a lot of green creatures in here. And I mean, instant speed wolf here, Silverheart, seems kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know, I just don't think she does enough to warrant keeping her in here. As a one-off, she seems okay, though. I don't know, we could always try cutting her, yeah, I guess. Uh, the Gruel Rage Beast I'm fine with, actually. I still think but I prefer a white splash. Well, yeah, I agree with Travis. And I, I just don't. I don't see shift. the. Yeah, I don't see the point in splashing for red. There's nothing in this deck that pushes you to need that splash. No, no, I agree. Um, I mean, uh, Ground Assault is good with all the ramping you're doing between Urban Evolution and Farseek. But like, if you go into white Cloud Shift, obviously the the temptation is to put Restoration Angel in there, but they're not cheap. But no, I mean, you got to figure if somebody's you know starting out with this deck, then the first thing they're going to want to do is whatever good cards. I mean, there was there was a promo restoration angel, so they might actually have a restoration angel, you know, if they were playing at that time. Restoration angel eighteen dollars right now. The promo is also eighteen. No, but I mean, if you were playing, then you might have the promo because you were you know you got it, you acquired mm-hmm. it. I like I have a playset of the promo restoration angels that I got from playing F and M's. Yeah, I know something else that would be... Whatever cards were left over, what what our store does is they do bounties. So they have, like, all these special conditions, and if you meet one, then you get to pick a card. And uh, so they had all the leftover Restoration Angels from the promo, and they gave them away, so... Mm -hmm. What were you saying, Travis? Um, I think I know something that um, would help out. Breeding pools. Well, obviously. (laughs) Also, Master Biomancer. Yeah, now I like it. that's really good with the navigator. navigator. Yeah. So yeah. you can play something earlier than blink it with a navigator late and it comes back huge. Especially, yeah. you know, if it's Wolf Your Silver Heart putting it on the uh Master Biomancer and then blinking something else. Yeah, Master Biomancers are going for twelve dollars right now, so that's actually cheaper than Resto. What if we just try to keep this to blue green? Do we need a red splash do we need a splash at all? I don't I don't think we need it. You know, obviously, if if we were only using one Dead Eye Navigator, then, you know, having the Cloud Shift would help, but it's not necessary. Well, I think we need more Dead Eye Navigators. We've yeah. come to that. And, and they're, they're not that expensive, so we could do that. No. In this deck, with all of the Enter the Battlefield effects we have, Ghostly Flicker might be better. And I, I know something we probably should have thought of earlier. What's that? Experiment 1. Yeah. Because you're bringing in a lot of big dudes and blinking them. Yeah. I'm just looking at my Master Biomancer deck that I've been playing online and saying, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Acidic Slime and, and Dead Eye Navigator is disgusting. We know this. Yes. Uh, so is Miss Raven. So is Sphinx of Uthun. Maybe so one throughout Speaker Zagana. Yeah, although. I mean, constantly her with Dead Eye Navigator would draw your deck very fast. Yeah, you're gonna mill yourself. Like you gotta be careful with that. They are up they are down to eight dollars. Yeah, they went down. So you know, that's also a possibility. I mean I the think other I thing, even like her better than Sphinx of a thing. Well, maybe, yeah. Since we're not trying to fill up our graveyard. Now some things that if we did want to stick with a red splash, Huntmaster of the Fells and Zealous Conscripts immediately come to mind. Yeah. Definitely. Especially the conscripts. 
And then if we if we're doing that, we might as well throw in a gilded lotus. Yeah, just one for you know. Because because you can, and because it's a combo, and with Zagana, if you're blinking Zagana, you're gonna find the lotus. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and rebuild that deck now that Prime's figures out. Oh, don't it's just I can't play it online. It is so annoying to play online. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, those, those are some ways to go. Simic Charm is good. I mean, let's uh, bounce our creatures back to our hand if we need to and replay them. Yeah. And also, did you know that that gives all your permanents hexproof? Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not that I got blown out by it or anything. Did you think so, it was just creatures, or did you... I just thought it was target creature gains hexproof. I figured, okay, so if I abrupt decay this, and he blows that Simic Charm on it, then I can abrupt decay that, and he's like, Simic Charm in response, and I go abrupt decay the other one. He goes, it's hexproof. I'm like, no, it isn't. Wait. <laughs> not no. if you abrupt decay in response to the Simic Charm. Yeah, I didn't think I had to. Oh, you let the Simic Charm resolve first? Oh. Because... Yeah. Reading is tech, kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm thinking. Okay, wait, what? How does that not work if you respond to the? Okay, now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that part where I was good at magic? Because mm. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Bramble Crush in this? In in any deck, to be honest with you, but I mean in this one in particular. It, I mean, it's a versatile effect, but four mana for that is very. I mean, against some of the aggro decks right now, that's just not going to work. Well, no, but it's definitely a, a sideboard all-star. Yeah, and um, it's it's an escape valve, right? It's an answer to pretty much any permanent, especially yeah. a simple the legions, which is starting to see a lot of play. Or Jeez, it's almost like I called it. Or a planeswalker. You know, that's that's really the only defense that this deck has against a planeswalker. I tell you what I find interesting is that we had Beast Within, right? And that was three mana at instant speed. It had no restrictions on what it could target, but it did give your opponent a three-three Beast, which isn't insignificant, right? Right. Right. But Bramble Crush costs four, has a targeting restriction. Wouldn't you expect it to be an instant? I would at least? totally expect it to be an instant. Which would make it much more playable, which is probably why they didn't do it. Right, but. I mean, yes, it was in standard at the same time as, as Beast Within, and it would have made mono green control very strong. But Bramble Crush easily could have cost either one less mana or been an instant, and wouldn't have been broken, and it would have made me very happy, because I love that card. Yeah, I think at four mana as an instant, I mean, I don't know, maybe they tested it and it didn't work, and that's why they put it at Sorcery. You know, obviously they do a lot of internal testing, and you know we're we're just theorizing here. But it seems like having it be an instant would have just made it playable. And as a sorcery, it's almost not. I think they're worried about three mana land destruction is what the problem was. But even four mana instant speed land destruction isn't broken. Uh, I think they don't want instant yeah, speed. They don't want instant speed land destruction at at, at all. I mean, that's, no. it's it's kind of it's a it's an effect that they've definitely moved completely into sorcery. So yeah, yeah. If it's a non-creature, non-land permanent, then okay, it could be an instant. Well, even if it just said non-land and it'll let you get creatures, but then it wouldn't be green. So never mind. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what do we think of this deck then? Like, with Thragtusk having dipped in value and there not really being anything else in here, 
we can't really recommend picking this up for for financial reasons. But do you think this is something that you could pick up, play at an F and M, and reasonably expect to do okay? I don't know. Your Vindex are what nineteen ninety nine supposedly. That's the recommended, yeah. Oh man, you could totally pick this up just yeah. for that. I mean, Rancor. Between the th- yeah, between the Thrag Tusk and the Rancor, it, that's you know. And then I mean, you're still right getting so far Eva, Dead Eye Navigator. Getting a bunch of like two dollar cards. Yeah. I'm not sure what the MSRP on these is now, to be honest with you, but it's either nineteen or twenty five. I'm not sure. So, I mean, the value is not as good as it has been on some of these. That's for sure. If it's 19.99 and you need a Thrag Tusk, I, th- I would definitely say just go ahead and get it for the other cards as well, versus mm. just outright yeah. buying a Thrag Tusk. Um, if you're looking to play blue and green, or you're looking to play ramp and you don't have these cards, I would definitely say buy it. I can uh, I can get behind that. Yeah. The uh, this is selling for 22.99 on face to face games. That's still probably acceptable. Definitely. I'd definitely pick it up for that if I needed a Thrag Tusk. I mean, I don't, but hey. So let us move on to the Boros one, and this one is called Rally and Route. Funnily enough, it does not contain any copies of Rally the Peasants or Route, which I think is false advertising. So we've got three Boros Guildgate, one Clifftop Retreat, eight Mountain, ten Plains, one Slayer's Stronghold. I love that card. Twenty-three lands in total. 24 creatures, 1 Ash Zealot, 4 Boris Elite, 1 Champion of the Parish, 4 Doomed Traveler, 2 Firefist Striker, 2 Lightning Mauler, 1 Silverblade Paladin, 3 Silver Sky Knight Legionnaire, 1 Spark Trooper, 2 Sunhom Guild Mage, 1 Thalia Guardian of Thraven, and 2 True Fire Paladin. We've got 13 spells with 2 Boros Charm, 4 Gather the Townsfolk, 4 Pillar of Flame, and 3 Searing Spear. And then in the board, three Bonds of Faith, three Electricery, two Oblivion Ring, two Skullcrack, two Thunderous Wrath, and three War Priest of Thun, who is a human. Who knew? Human. He's a human. Would it really have been such a bad thing to put a Boros Reckoner in this deck? Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, that's what these decks are designed for. It's designed to, like, show off that one really cool card in the set and then, you know, have a bunch of other good cards in there. Well, what did the Simic one do? <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's got a Thrag is... Tusk in it. You know, if they're going to put Thrag Tusk in that one, why, why, you know? You do realize Champion of the Parish is like $10 and Silverblade is 12 right? I'm, I'm not saying value-wise that this okay. isn't a good, you know, that there aren't good cards in this. I'm just saying I'm surprised that they designed this deck and and Boros Reckoner wasn't a one-of. I mean, yes, okay, that's really greedy because there's all this other good stuff in the deck. But at the same time, you know, it's showcasing Boros, and, you know, that showcases Boros really, you know, more than anything else. My bad. Champion of the Parish is only $6. That's gone uh, down a lot. I'm surprised it didn't have more battalion cards. Yeah. I would have expected to see, like, Fire Main Avenger or something. I wanted, well, considering that was uh, in the, that was the game day promo, that doesn't surprise me a lot. What I am surprised at, oh, Silverblade is 10, is that uh, there's no frontline medic. That would have been a good one, too. Because but, I mean, one, there's Boros Elite and Fire Fist Striker, so, you know, I mean, there's definitely it. some Battalion in there. It, needed, yeah, it seems the like it needed the rare, the, the, the flagship <laughs> Battalion card, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. But this one, I mean, as far as uncommons go, I mean, you get Boros Charm and Skullcrack. That's fantastic. 
Yeah. Yes. That's really good. Plus, if you don't already have Pillars of Flame and Searing Spear, that's in there, too. And oh, look, two rare land. <laughs> Although, Slayer Stronghold is only a buck. Still, it's an awesome land to have. Good land, yeah. Uh, Boris Charm is going for $3 right now, so that's pretty pretty decent. Yeah. So this deck, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed not to request this, cause, to, to recommend this, because you're just turning dudes sideways. Yeah. Right. I mean, you get a Talia, you get a Silverblade Paladin, you get a Champion, yeah. Talia's one of those cards that's only going to go up in the future. Yeah, because she's, she's playing Legacy and in Modern. She's $6 okay. right now. Once people have run out of Dark Ascension to sell, that price is going up. I'm glad I have my foil play set. And I also think Silverblade Paladin will eventually make the leap to Modern. Uh, it has a big weakness in that it dies to Abrupt Decay and Lightning Bolt and Electrolyze. But I can see it. I've been testing it some in some of my modern decks, and it is, I mean, it's, it's just as good. It's just that in, in modern, they're so focused on removing your one and two drops that they burn their removal very quickly. So it's not uncommon for me to be able to drop it turn four or five, and it just stay on the board. I'm a big fan of Spark Trooper, and the fact that this deck on its own enables me to unlock the achievement of pairing a Spark Trooper with a Silverblade Paladin <laughs> makes me very happy. Yep. That's pretty gross, by the way, for those of you keeping track at home. 12-point life swing? Yeah. No, 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 no. 24-point life swing. Gain 12, oh, they yeah, lose 12. Gain 12, they lose 12, yeah. Yeah, I mean, chances are whatever they block with is dying on the first strike. So you're, you're getting through with a trample on the double strike. Yep. I also think that this deck seems like it's built... Uh, I mean, if I were to to play these two decks, I would think this one would crush the other one. It seems like it's got a better focus, um, whereas the other one's sideboard is built around... I mean, it's got six counter spells. It just wants you to be able to bring in counters. This one has things like Bonds of Faith, which can either pump your humans or lock down their uh, non-humans. Yeah, and I think... I mean, Cavern of Souls is the obvious ad, right? Except for Spark Trooper, it makes everything in this deck uncounterable. Yeah. And it also costs $30. Is it still 30? Ah, it's up there. I stopped keeping track once it broke 20. I, I, I figured it was still floating around 2025. That's where it's been ever since it came out. Same with Snap Customers, right? Like you can pretty much trade for that at 25 and be assured that that's correct. It's 28 right now. I still want a French one, though. What does it translate to? Uh, it's like uh, Caverne des Ames or something like that. It's it's no French mugging. No. It is no French mugging. <laughs> but let's leave it at that. So this deck, yeah, it does exactly what it says on the tin. It turns dudes sideways and kills you with them. Changes. I hate Sky Knight Legionnaire so much. I mean, this this thing can hit very hard, very fast. I mean, you've got the great, the the classic champion into Gather the Townsfolk into Silverblade Paladin draw, or you could go Boros Elite into uh, Gather the Townsfolk and um, any hasty creature. Or, I mean, it's just a much better built deck, I think. 
It's also got the pillars and the searing spears to give reach and take out opposing creatures. I, I would really see this one being a better choice if you wanted to compete in Friday Night Magic. When we were getting ready for GP Quebec City, we had a testing group here because obviously we had someone go to the Pro Tour as well. So we're killing two birds with one stone. Uh, Alicia, who is the girlfriend of Mark, who was on one of our recent, ep- one of our episodes about 30 odd shows ago. 40, I guess now. Wow. Um, she came up with a deck very similar to this that ran only 22 lands, but was using, uh, Kessig Malcontents after filling the board with things like Gather the Towns, Folk Boris Ali, Champion of the Parish. And very often the Malcontents would deal seven or eight damage just on its own before even attacking for three. That's and pretty they're, cool. Yeah, they're pretty uh, dirt cheap and easy to pick up. Is that the one that and deals damage equal to the number of humans you control when it comes into the play? Yes. Okay. And considering that it's the same casting cost as a Sky Knight Legionnaire, that's uh, that's a fairly easy substitution there. Yep. I mean, the big thing you'd want to do with this one is just shore up some of the numbers. Like go up the four champion of the parish, um, probably uh, more Silverblade Paladin, more Lightning Mauler. Yeah, I like Fire Fist Striker because it stops people from blocking with Centaur Healers or Thrag Tusks. Uh, which, you know, lessens the impact of those cards when they hit. But maybe it's better out of the board. True Fire Paladin is also an interesting choice. I mean, it's a 2-2 Vigilance, so it's going to keep beating down, and it get, can get very big. That uh, first ability is amazing with Silverblade Paladin. Yeah. And you can give it first try. I mean, it just it's it's a mini, um, a mini guild mage. Yeah, I don't like Doom Traveler in this deck. I'll agree with that. He seems like he, if you're going to maximize him, you need some way to get rid of him. I think the idea behind the Doom Traveler and the Skylight Neat Legionnaire was because everything else is just little dudes on the ground, and that was your way to kind of break through if you need something in the air that can fly over. You know, once once they've got their three threes out that you can't battle through, you know, then then you've got the option of flying over. Yeah, but still, like flying over for one with a spirit, if your Doom Traveler dies, doesn't seem yeah. worth a slot to me. The, like Stromkirk Noble would be a better addition here, or you know, that could be where you get some of your shoring up at numbers on the things like the Champion of the Parish. Yeah, I agree. It's it's weaker than a lot of the other things in the deck. How often do you think we're going to be able to get a turn to Ash Dalit? Not very often at all. No, that's that's what I'm worried about. Uh, the Boris Gilgate should probably be Clifftop Retreats. You probably never actually want a turn to Ash Dalit because that means you have played a mountain on turn one and most of your best cards cost white. Yeah, okay. Clifftop Retreat's $14 right now. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, ideally, you want you want eight duels is what you want. You know, you want the Shocklands, and then you want the Buddy Lands. Because it's, it's a true, you know, it's a 50-50 deck. There's so much red, and there's so much white in it. And you really want to have access to both colors on turn two, but at the same time be able to cast something like Ash Zealot. So. I could even see... 
running not the full four cliff-top retreats, because you, you really want to make sure that all of your lands come into play untapped on turn one. Well, then Boros Guildgate just shouldn't even be in there at all. I agree. And the Guildgate should definitely be shock lands. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. Guildgate is the budget compromise. Right. And co- yeah, but considering that Sacred Foundry and Clifftop Retreat are practically the same price right now, you're probably, in fact, you're definitely better off going for the Foundries. Yeah. Because yeah, the Guildgates won't turn on the Clifftop Retreat either. No, the Foundry will. Yes. So, yeah, that's definitely worth thinking about. I think, though, that value-wise and in terms of just strength, this deck is definitely the best. Would you guys agree with that? I definitely agree. Yeah, I would much rather be playing this deck. And uh, I really like the War Priest of Thune in the board. Just by the way. And I also like how they're recommending people pick up Assemble the Legion. Everybody should be looking for Assemble the Legions. Yep, glad I got mine earlier. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how many I have. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite Brian Kibler on Daybreak Ranger deep, but deep. I think the only card I've gone any kind of deep on from the last couple sets was Signal the Clans. You saw what I put in my re- in my set review about it, right? Uh, I read it, but I don't remember off the top of my head. It's a tutor. Yeah, instant speed yeah. tutor. And yes, it's at random, but you know, if you're playing against aggro and you need something to gain life, you find Rock's Faith Mender, Huntmaster of the Fells, and Centaur Healer. You know, you're getting one of them. Well, I managed to get some at five cents a piece, so. Five cents? That's redonkulous. <laughs> well, I, I went deep on Assemble Allegiance. I guess we'll smoothly transition into some, some of the cards we're looking at right now. Because I was at, uh, at GP Quebec City. Uh, I know you guys spoke about that last week. And in uh, the Grinders on Friday night, I was watching Assemble Allegiance just single-handedly beat control decks. Because a lot of the control decks are running one main deck detention sphere right now, and maybe two more in the board. And if you're putting down planeswalkers, well, they kind of have to put the planeswalkers under a sphere because they don't, you know, then they're looking for their plane of cleansing. I don't think people realize how quickly a symbol legion gets out of control. And it doesn't even matter if it does it quickly. You know, one dude, eh. But the next time you have three of them, if they didn't kill the one dude. Then you have six. <laughs> it's insane. And then they they go Supreme Verdict, and you'll go, okay, next turn, attack you for four. Then attack you for nine. It does get out of qu- quickly. And yeah. then, they, then they go Sphinx's Revelation and draw seven cards, and you go, okay, attack you for 15. I don't care. <laughs> It's it's really, really good. Do you think that's why Curse of Death's Hold is making a comeback? Yes, <laughs> I do. That and Lingering Souls. But bear in mind that Curse of Death's Hold is not going to be legal after October, but Assemble the Legions is. Yep. yep. You see, now, uh, now I want to build a Naya deck that runs parallel lives with Assemble the Legion. Stop it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that might yes. get you. Let's do that. <laughs> all of the tokens. 
<laughs> you got to play intangible virtue in that deck, man. Of course. Huntmaster. Yeah. Huntmaster makes tokens. Resto. Drag Tusk. Hey, look, we just built a deck. Yep. Grab the salt. No. Why? We could call it Assemble the Tokens. We certainly could. Or Assemble Voltron. Uh, just blinking a Thrag Tusk or a Huntmaster with parallel lives out seems ridiculously unfair. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ultimating Garrick Primal Hunter with <laughs> parallel lives out. Well, it, you know, if you've got parallel lives out, uh, then what you're doing to get Garrick Primal Hunter to the ultimate is going to make so many tokens that you shouldn't need to ultimate it. Who said anything about need? Yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I just mean that, you're, I just mean that your opponent's probably long dead way before you get to ultimate that. Eh. <laughs> I, I, would, I would hope, anyway. Can we splash black, Travis, please? What for? Vraska. Oh, boy. <laughs> 12 one win assassins. Hey, what? she's another one that's great to pick up right now because she's a... She's dirt cheap. And Jund is starting to play them as an answer to Assemble the Legions, funnily enough. Yeah. Matt, can they just reprint Hull Breach already, please? It's probably my favorite card from Plane, whatever that set was. Scape, Shift, Chase. <laughs> I think. You could put a you could put giant Adaphage in there with Parallel Lives, Chris. Oh, stop! <laughs> now you're just getting silly. Isn't that the whole point of playing Parallel Lives? To get yeah, silly? Parallel Lives is one of those cards that's just fun. It's just silly. We need, we need, we need Hullbreach back in standard, because Jund isn't good enough right now. Man, I love Hullbreach so much. Anyway. Ooh, Mystic Genesis with Parallel Lives. Oh. <laughs> Go home, Travis, you're drunk. <laughs> or Ooze Flux. Uh, ooh. All right, so what are you actually playing right now in Standard, Travis? Um, since the uh, modern PTQ season's almost over, I finally started looking at some Standard decks. Uh, just I built a couple online on Thursday just to get a, a grasp of the format to see what I was playing against. The first one I built is a Bant deck that uses Master, Bi Master Biomancer because I really wanted to try that card out, and it is stupid, the things you can do with that card. Okay. Like what? Uh, just having it in play and using it as an basically a double uh, anthem effect. It's really good with Restoration Angel because it lets you play whatever you want out, and then once you play it, you blink whatever you played earlier, and then the angel and the other card are huge. And, I mean, if you ever, God forbid, play the second one... Yeah... You're probably winning that game. I mean, I run it with uh, Restoration Angels, Thrag Tusk, Prime Speakers of Guys, Loxton Smiters, Strangle Root Guys, Experiment Ones. Do you find, though, that it's kind of bad with Strangle Root Guys because it doesn't undie? Not really, because then I'm getting a 4-3 haste for two. Yeah, sure. I'll accept that in that mm -hmm. case. It's still acceptable. <laughs> I don't know, it wouldn't have been my first choice as a two drop. I like it especially with experiment one. 
because if the first time you play it, you can swing for four on turn two. If they manage to kill the Geist, it comes back and triggers Experiment at one again. Yeah, well, Experiment Jund is playing with that interaction in Standard, right? So, I mean... See, you it's already the first good. to think it's good. No, but they're not playing Master Biomancer. <laughs> and that's where they, they're wrong. <laughs> so what's the second deck you're playing? The second deck I'm playing, <coughs> it is Sorry. a um, red, white, and blue deck. That's uh, actually red, white, blue, and green, I think. Yes, red, white, and blue, and green. It's basically a far seat control deck. Um, I wanted to test out a couple of interesting cards. Um, Chandra the Firebrand. Hitting her turn four and then Urban Evolution on turn five is ridiculous. Um, she's so also, <laughs> pretty much. Two evolutions. Uh, she's also really good with Aurelius Fury. Nothing is good with Aurelius Fury. Aurelius Fury is awesome. That card is bomb. That card is... Trust me. Great waiting mean for what? Awesome? Isn't that usually the... Uh... Um, the card is ass. I used it to destroy Will a couple times online the other night. Yeah, well, destroying Will's easy. He can't even win a PGQ. Telling you, man, it's it <laughs> will have its day in the sun. Trust me. Yeah, because I'll leave it out in the car because I ain't playing it. You feel free to ship me your copies. I have a foil one. Ship it. I'll take it if you don't. Want it. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I think that card is going to have to see a serious shift in the standard metagame before it's any good. I'm not sure what deck wants it. We tried it in an aggro deck, and you never wanted to keep the mana up. Control decks would rather cast Bonfire or Sphinx's Revelation or pretty much any other X spell. I just I don't know where it fits. Which is what I said when it came out, I think. I like it in this deck because it's your... I'm only running two. I mean, it's not a card you really want to run four of. Not many X spells are. Um, it's usually a fantastic follow-up to Supreme Verdict. You use Supreme Verdict to take out the early aggressors, and then you mop them up with Aurelius Fury. The fact that it can... Like turn, I mean, I'm using Farseek and Urban Evolution. I'm going to have mana. So around turn six or seven, I've got eight or nine mana. I can... Tap down the creatures that are causing me problem and still do you know six or seven damage to my opponent. It prevent, presents a clock as well as a uh, stall. You know what else does that? And not doesn't tap them down, but actually kills them and domes your opponent. Clan defiance. I've got one of those in there too. I actually like that better as a follow up to Supreme Verdict because, I mean, what uh, when are they going to have more than two creatures right after a Supreme Verdict? And Clan Defiance is always a two-for-one and sometimes a three-for-one, so... I don't know. I like that card. I like Clan Defiance also. Like I said, this is one I just wanted to really get some testing in just to see how certain interactions are. Chandra into Urban Evolution is legitimately stupid. Um, yeah, well, it says draw six cards. I mean, that's pretty stupid. And then double explore. It feels like cheating because it is. <laughs> Yeah, legalized cheating is always good in Magic. I think Chandra is really... I don't know, she seems like one of those Planeswalkers that people dismissed immediately that I know I always try to keep in mind because the second ability is so powerful. Yeah. And the first one, 
especially right now, like the, the Nile Blitz decks are playing a lot of X ones. Right. And you know, if you can drop her on turn three after a far seek, she'll take out a Boros Elite, or um, that's about it, really. <laughs> you know, maybe an unevolved experiment one, or an early uh, champion of the parish that they played post Supreme Verdict. She's done that yeah. for me. Um, she takes out tokens really well. Yeah. Link and then very uh, scary with her. But I mean, I've been finding her with. Um, playing her late game when you do have the seven or eight mana where you can play her and use her ability immediately to copy an extra searing spear or um, Aurelius Fury, it it just gets out of hand quickly. It's quite funny to play her minus two her and then Supreme Verdict into a board full of undying creatures. <laughs> or Thrag Tusk. I had to do it for Thrag Tusk once. <laughs> Which basically is undying if you think about it. Wait, what happened? Okay, I just had the disgusting idea of casting Undying Evil on a Thrag Tusk. I don't want to play this game anymore. Um, <laughs> that's that's gross. I also want to try Machaeus the Unhallowed before it rotates. Alright, so yeah, I am... Machaeus needs to be looked at again, too. Yeah. yeah. I am playing um, Immortal Servitude right now. And the deck is stupid. It is an incredible amount of fun to play. It wins out of nowhere. Some of the disgusting things I've done include surviving a Crater Hoof Behemoth-fueled attack for 32. Oh, no, it was more than 32. So two 11-11 Arbor Elves and a 15-15 Crater Hoof. So, yeah, it was a lot. Anyway, um, I have top-decked the Servitude to win on two life against Nicol Bolas, Luiana of the Dark Realms, and Vampire Nighthawk on the other side of the board. Sounds like you're just uh, having a lot of fun with yourself there, Chris. And I've won on turn four against Esper Control. That was hilarious. So the deck basically is looking to cast Immortal Servitude for two bringing back as many blood artists and blood throne vampires as you can dump in the graveyard, along with some number of undying creatures. What is your means of dumping them into the graveyard? So I've got Lotless Troll. Um, obviously, you can just play the blood throne vampire and sack them. I also have Forbidden Alchemy. I'm splashing blue for Forbidden Alchemy, uh, which... I had Mulch and Grizzly Salvage, but the problem was I was binning my Immortal Servitude too often. So I splashed blue for Alchemy so that if I did hit Servitude, I could keep it. And that's been enough. If you're splashing splashing blue and you're focusing on two mana drops, you're also considering Snapcaster? No, because to Snapcaster back Servitude requires seven mana, and I'm not often getting there. There's only 21 lands in the deck. What other uh, spells are you winning other than creatures? That's it. <laughs> Immortal Servitude and creatures. And Forbidden Alchemy. The deck is capable of winning via beatdown. I mean, you've got uh, the creatures of Butcher Ghoul, Strangleroot Geist, Lotless Troll, uh, Dawn Treader Elk. Um, what else is in there? Blood Artist, obviously. Blood Throne Vampire. I think that's it. I might be missing something. I had Cartel Aristocrat in there, but 
I could never cast it. I didn't put any white mana in, so I took it out. Oh, uh, Skurzdag High Priest. I have two of those in there as well. So it sounds like it's a, um, it's sort of like the Aristocats, Aristocrats deck. It is in a way. Instead, you're using Immortal Servitude to just get them all into play. Yeah, because you, if you Servitude, you're going to win. Even if you don't have the Blood Throne, Blood Artist insta win, uh, you're just flooding the board. Oh, Elvish Visionary's in there as well to help me dig. And he chumps really well. He, he just, he dies so often. And then when he comes back from the Servitude, you draw cards and, yeah, it's good. Uh, you, you know, you have the option of just casting Servitude, leaving your Blood Throne on the board as your only creature. Casting Servitude, sacking a ton of dudes and attacking with the Blood Throne. Gross. It, it does, it gets pretty disgusting and it, it wins. Uh, the only, I, I lost, I went three and two at FNM with it. The, I lost to Jund, which seems like a bad matchup. Uh, although I sideboarded wrong in game two, I just completely brain farted on the fact that Slaughter Games was a card. And I should have gone to my alternate plan. Because I have a plan against Graveyard Hate and stuff like Slaughter Games, where I take out the Immortal Servitudes and bring in, uh, Drag Manglers. So that I can just go to a sort of green-black beatdown plan. But I forgot all about it. Uh, the other loss was to the Aristocrats. I had to multi-five in game three, and although I had one on a multi-five earlier in the evening, this five wasn't as good. So, yeah. I'm okay with that. One bad matchup and one close match is enough to me to suggest that the deck is actually worth exploring further. Now, haven't you been getting some professional advice on this deck, too? Yeah, I fired it off to Sam Black, and uh, he was nice enough to give me some ideas. He thought it was interesting. He uh, he definitely saw some potential in it. One thing he suggested was keeping the aristocrats in, the, the cartel aristocrats, changing the blue splash to a white splash, and going with treasured find. So that if I do mill a servitude, I can get the treasured find, use the treasured find to get it back. That could work. Well, the thing about Cartel Aristocrat is that it is another two-mana sack outlet. Sometimes I'll have Blood Artists, but no Blood Throne Vampire, and I can't win on the spot. And the deck does have trouble with flyers. Things like Falcon Wrath Aristocrat can be troublesome. So, you know, that would give me a better answer, at least give me enough life gain to survive and then possibly kill them the next turn if I find a second servitude. That works. The fact that Blood Artist gains you life when you sacrifice means that even if you can't kill them, like the game I won against the Reanimator deck, I was able to sacrifice enough dudes to a Blood Throne to make it big enough to block and kill the Crater Hoof. I took, I gained enough life off that to be able to take 20 from the other two attackers and the next turn I was able to untap and kill him. <laughs> Have you thought about some of the um, uh, Soulbond creatures? The, well, uh, the like Near Hearth Pilgrim, maybe, to give your deck some lifelink, since you're going to have those huge creatures to fight back from the fast decks, or uh, um, even something like a Lightning Mauler, if you're doing the Faithless Looting route. Well, red would enable me to go faithless looting and to get lightning mauler. Yeah, the problem is there's not much else in red. You know, like, I'd be lose. I don't know 
what I can do instead of Forbidden Alchemy. It digs you deeper than Faithless Looting does. And I have been able to flash back Forbidden Alchemy on occasion. Not that I ever wanted to, but sometimes you get to seven mana. <laughs> red is a possibility. I hadn't really looked at it too much. I mean, that would let me use Burning Tree Emissary to develop my board faster. Yes. But like, bringing them back, unfortunately, doesn't allow me to cast a second servitude should I happen to have one. Well, if you had forever much mana, you could. Yeah. One thing that uh, I was discussing with a friend of mine... Oh, no. Yeah, it was a friend of mine. I thought I might have said it to Sam. Is that if they ever were to reprint Wild Mongrel in Standard... <laughs> yep. <laughs> the deck becomes rather gross. I mean, that just slots right in there, right? But in, then wouldn't it just be Lawless Troll versions, or 5 through 8? Yes, but <laughs> that's exactly what the deck needs. True. So, you know, there you go. Uh, Adina, you haven't played any additional standard, um, have you? Not very much since last week, um, you know, what I talked about on the cast. I've been thinking after watching, you know, tons and tons of Star City coverage yesterday, um, I'm thinking about kind of taking my zombie deck and switching over into more of a Jund build, like a Jund zombie, like a really aggro, um, put the Blood Artist back in and, uh, you know, go with something sort of more similar to that. Um, either that or something more of a mono black build. Yeah, but, uh, I, a mono black deck, not not a zombie deck, but going into the mono black. Um, what like uh, like Connie played at the Pro Tour? Yeah, you mean? yeah, something more like that. Mm, I love that deck right now. The uh, the guy I was playing against who had the nickel bolus out, he was playing mono black uh, with Lily to fight to fix his mana, and it just does some really powerful things. You know, and Crypt Ghast with Shocks is amazing. Oh, yeah. Almost as amazing as Crypt Ghast with Chromatic Lantern. And, yeah, that, that's that's uh, definitely a way I can support going. I mean, turn, turn two, uh, or turn three Crypt Ghast into turn four Grizzlebrand is pretty gross. Seems like that would be fun. Seems like that'd just be awful. Who would ever play that? Who wants a Grizzlebrand on turn three? I mean, really, come on. Uh, me before <laughs> you and everyone else who's ever played this game, sure, yeah. What strategies do you guys think are the best in standard right now? I mean, is it an aggro format, a mid range format, control format? You know, I really like the balance in standard at the moment. I think we're not quite at a rock paper scissors. I think we're more like at a rock paper scissors lizard Spock. <laughs> Because there are so many viable deck archetypes, and they all beat some of the others. It's a really good time to be playing standard. I mean, you've got Humanimator as a combo deck. You've got the Esper control deck. You've got the red, white, blue, you know, Reckonapaya decks. You've got the Naya Blitz and Experiment Jund. And you've got actual Jund mid-range. You know, there's probably even a rug mid-range deck that just hasn't been built yet. Probably. Seems that way. There's just so much good stuff to be doing right now that I I don't know if there is a best archetype. What do you guys think? I don't know. I think the Sphinx's Revelation decks are just... 
I mean, it seems like they're always the at the top. I mean, there will be a different mid range or a different aggro deck that comes along every week that, that challenges it. But it seems like the interactions around Supreme Verdict and Sphinx's Revelation are just so strong that it's going to stay the top dog. Yeah, unfortunately, Revelation is very good. It is a very, very good card. Uh, however, I think it's entirely, it's, it's very beatable. I don't think it's like Cobblade level good, but I think it's, it just presents the constant of the format. So we're going to look at a couple of uh, user emails, or listener emails rather. Uh, first one is from Jimmy, who loves the show and was talking about Biovisionary because of the challenge, and he wants to give me a deck to lands Dirtle around with. Yeah, sounds good. So, he's calling the deck Science, which is just an awesome name for a deck. And in it, he has two Alchemist's Refuge, four Breeding Pool, seven Forest, four Hinterland Harbor, and five Islands. So that's, what, 22 lands? Not enough. Four Arborel, four Augur of Bolas, four Axebane Guardian, four Biovisionary, four Fog Bank, Three Ludovic's Test Subject, and two Master Biomancer. Three Farseek, four Infinite Reflection, three Simic Charm, two Unexpected Results, two Urban Evolution. And then the board, he's got two Naturalized, three Pithing Needle, three Rapid Hybridization, two Thrag Tusk, two Tormod's Crypt, and three Etherize. Etherize? Etherize? Bouncy creature thing. Etherize. Whatever. So, what do we got here? He's looking at the Infinite Reflection by a visionary route to victory. It looks like he wants to use defenders to get there. Which is fine, though I think we want Hexproof dudes to get there, personally. I don't know. I could see going... Um, I mean, if you go Fog Bank into Axe Guardian, then you've got a, enough mana next turn to start setting up some the Infinite Reflections or... Um, just making the progress in order to get there. I mean, if you're going to have a, a lot of mana being able to go visionary and reflections on one turn... Uh, yes, make, I end my turn, I win. Yeah, exactly. The, the worry I have, I mean, unexpected results doesn't really seem to fit here, and neither does Master Biomancer. It seems like Biomancer goes into a deck that wants to be turning dudes sideways, and this only has, what, three dudes that can turn sideways? I mean, obviously, the test subject can when you can, when you transform it, but I don't think you really care if it gets plus one, plus one counters at that point. And Although that does make it immune to a Tragic Slip. And I, I don't think he really has enough um, spells to make Augur of Bolas worthwhile. Uh, he may just want another wall in that case. Well, what good walls do we have? I can tell you the good ones in modern. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't help much. Um, really, like, the the walls that are good in standard, if you can use the word good to describe them, don't really go here. I mean, you'd want something like, like Doorkeeper's okay, but it doesn't really fit. Trestle Troll doesn't fit. You know, these are all cards that you don't mind having in a draft deck. I would have to do a gatherer search. I can't remember any of the walls in standard. Yeah. I keep thinking wall of omens. 
and uh, well, Wall of Blossoms keeps coming to my mind. <laughs> it's probably one of my all-time favorite cards. Oh, Coiling Oracle. Oh, how I wish that was turned illegal. Yeah, all of the Simic guys are said that Coiling Oracle didn't come back. I mean, I, uh, it could still supposedly be in a... Dragon's Maze? Yeah, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I think I'm Closet Simic. <laughs> I'm starting to think that way. I, uh, anyway, so, I mean, I like the idea. I just think, for one thing, I want Cackling uh, Counterpart in here. Yeah, and I want and I want stolen identity in here. Which one's stolen identity? The it's cipher spell that makes a token copy of a creature. Ah. Okay, let's see. Uh, Angelic Wall, Doorkeeper. Ooh, Gate Creeper Vine might be good. Uh, then you have to play gates. You don't <laughs> have to. I mean, you can find basic land. Oh, so it can. Yeah, I forgot about that. Basilica <laughs> Guards, it does have extort. Yeah, is he playing white? No, he isn't. Okay. Basilica Guards has extort. That's awesome. Hover Barrier. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'd rather have the ability to copy things at instant speed and also stuff that can get in there to win the game or just to copy them, maybe populate as well. Yeah, definitely if you've got things like Stolen Identity and Cackling Counterpart, then, you know, you want to be able to populate. See, I still want to do a Back from the Brink. (laughs) And if you're going to be populating and you're going to be making tokens, well, then, you know, you might as well throw Parallel Lives in there, too, right? Just stop it. Right. (laughs) Biovisionary, bio Oh no, I have three biovisionaries. Oh, and now I'll populate the token. Now I have six biovisionaries. Oh uh, boy! <laughs> you're like a broken record. I mean, if you make it black, green, blue, you could go grizzly salvage, load up the graveyard, back from the brink with parallel lives, flash, or bring back a biovisionary, and that's two copies, and then just bring back evil twin. There's two more. You've got it. Yep. Or clone. Or clone. Or cast a cackling counterpart. Exactly. That's a lot of mana on one turn. Well, you don't have to do it all on one turn. We have to hope that they don't have have removal. You're playing black, so, I mean, you could use your mutilate, Chris. And far seek. I mean, you're using grizzly salvage to help find land. What do you think about maybe throwing in some counter magic into this deck? I mean, you're in blue anyway, and you really want to protect your biovisionaries, so maybe something that's going to counter whatever kind of, yeah, yeah, sure, okay. Counter magic would be good. Simic Charm, now that we know it, can ta- it his all permanents <laughs> you can charm. It's really good, pretty, yeah, that's definitely. Seems pretty, seems pretty good. Yeah. But oh I mean, you God. still need something that's that's going to counter something that will sweep multiple things that doesn't yeah. target. Yeah, like a museum mortars, like overloaded mortars is yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Yes. <laughs> so fun times. Um, probably not the way I'm looking to go with uh, BioVisionary, but definitely something worth looking at. So thanks for that, Jimmy. Hope you had some fun playing it. And the other deck we have is another unexpected results deck. This is from Mark. And he's a brewer at heart. (laughs) Uh, Yes, he's not... Oh, and with a name like Ruiz, you know, that is a Spanish name. So, Spanish Inquisition. No. No one expects... No, yeah, we get it. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> Unexpected, yeah. I made that joke weeks ago. Shut up. Uh, he's, uh, he said this is the most fun he's ever had in standard. But, but he's calling this deck Unexpected Science. We've, we, I know, we've got right? this science theme going on, you know. Well, the other thing I'm noticing is that a lot of the decks we're seeing are people brewing with Simic cards, which makes me think that all brewers are Simic. Sam Black, Simic. We're Simic or where is it? It makes me think that, you know, people who play magic like science. The devil, you say. (laughs) And it also makes me think that uh, people who like science tend to think a lot of scientific discoveries are unexpected. Hey, look, I accidentally genetically engineered this beast. (laughs) Okay. I accidentally discovered Coke. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm just picturing like all the characters on the Big Bang Theory playing magic. That's all. It's, it's bound to happen at some point. Oh, yeah. Well, they have their own version of magic that they play. Yep. But uh, Crocodile Frog, Croconara, OP. Don't know why I said that. Anyway, so the first creature in this deck has made me decide I want to play it. So he's got four Dawn Treader Elk, one of my favorite cards from Everson Restored. Four Borderland Ranger, one Evil Twin, one Blood Gift Demon, that's interesting. One Dead Eye Navigator, one Lord of the Void, uh, one Sphinx of Uthun, one Sylvan Primordial. One Cyclonic Rift, four Farseek, one Chromatic Lantern, four Amasa Components, four Unexpected Results, oh, that's unexpected. One Increasing Ambition, one Psychic Spiral, I'm going to keep making that joke till it's funny. Four Urban Evolution, one Stolen Identity, one Omni- Omniscience. Land once according to yeah, Will. <laughs> we don't quote people who scrub out of PTQs. Uh, we've got one Demir Guildgate, which clearly shouldn't be there. Nine Forest, Ten Island, Four Swamp. So that, that mana base suggests that he's lacking in uh, shocks. And then Sideboard, two Unsummon, one Memory's Journey, two Naturalize, one Negate, two Simic Charm, one Etherize, one Bramble Crash, one Acidic Slime, one Coerced Confession, one Grim Grin, one More of the Mire, one Sepulchral Primordial. Alright, so... Not sure about the board, but let's look at the main deck. So clearly what he wants to do here is unexpected results into a fatty, right? Definitely. So my first question is, we're playing Omniscience. Why aren't we playing an Enter the Infinite as well? Because if you uh, hit Enter the Infinite without Omniscience in the play, you've got one turn to win or die. That was actually discussed on a recent Top 8 Magic, where you put, you actually put back uh, Temporal Mastery in your hand. You have a Lab Maniac, so you untap, you draw your Temporal Mastery, miracle it, play Lab Maniac, pass the turn to yourself, win the game. Lab Maniac seems like it should be in this deck. That's possible, too. I mean, just just from the theme of it, you know, unexpected science, why wouldn't you want a laboratory maniac in your deck? I guess, yeah. I'm not sure why we're playing Evil Twin and Blood Gift Demon. They don't really seem to fit what we want to do here. Uh, I like Borborygmos uh, just to, because it wins with Omniscience, Enter the Infinite, and maybe like anything else. No, I think we've definitely, it's definitely been proven that unexpected results and omniscience can be a good deck. Yes. It's just, I mean, it, it's going to be random. Unexpected results by 
the definition of the card is going to be hit and miss. Yeah, and you can't um, you can't even stack your deck. You know, your best bet is to play four omniscience and one into the infinite. I know. I um, I wanted to build the unexpected omniscience deck this week, and then I realized that omniscience was ten bucks online, and I decided not going to do that. <laughs> so it's six bucks on face to face, but it's out of stock, and a foil is eighteen. Also out of stock. But here's the funny part. Enter the Infinite, I looked this up today because I pulled a foil, is uh, $1.50 regular and out of stock at 10 bucks as a foil. It's a beautiful looking foil, by the way. That's Therese Nielsen, isn't it? Uh, don't quote me on this, but I think so. Then of course yes. it's a beautiful foil. Well, some of her art hasn't really captured my imagination. But some of it's insane and amazing. Yeah, it is. Now, you you mentioned Lab Maniac. I, I do see a Psychic Spiral in here, which is just as funny. Because it's easy easy to, to mill yourself with this deck. So if you can you know get into a Psychic Spiral, you're probably not going to lose. And your opponent probably is. Yes, definitely. I also like increasing ambition in the deck because if you do, like if you do hit omniscience, but you don't have enter the infinite, you will have enter the infinite because we are putting enter the infinite in here. Have you tried um, Sylvan Primordial any, Chris or Adina? Not yet. Um, which I don't remember. Let's see. This destroys a non-creature permanent when it enters the battlefield and lets you ramp into a forest. Will played her against me this week. It's really not that bad. Uh, Seems good, one of, yeah. our, one of our local players was considering it in the sideboard of his deck. He was playing Reanimator at the GP because we figured Reanimator would be a good place to be since no one was really playing Graveyard Hate. Unfortunately, he just ran into all of the aggro decks. Yeah, this was actually in my deck at the pre-release. And the amazing thing about this card was the fact that Everyone was so concerned with what it did, people didn't notice that it had reach. And, That's very true. Yeah, and I seem to recall somehow it, you know, it came into play, and then I was knocking down flyers, and they were like, "Wait, what? Oh, it has reach? No, like because <laughs> it does so much yeah. other stuff that they were just like, oh, this is awful. Wait, well, it I has reach too? No." <laughs> I was thinking this would be a good deck for good for a, um, a standard rock deck that uses mutilate. It should be large enough to out. I mean to survive the mutilate, but I, I mean it also fetches a forest to fuel the mutilate. Well, forests don't fuel mutilate. They so do you find overgrown too. Yeah, but standard rock is playing Liliana of the Dark Realms, so. Fetching yeah. land is not a problem. What's crazy is putting I mean, a few counters on this and then playing playing the flyer that gives anything with counters flying. Yeah, people didn't like that too right. much. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> I like. I, I don't think the reach is going to be too important in standard, but the ability to blow up anything is. And when you can blink it with Dead Eye Navigator. Yeah. It wouldn't be that bad to follow up a Crypt Gas either. No. No, indeed it wouldn't. But don't forget with Crypt Gas, and I mentioned this earlier, if you tap an Overgrown Tomb for black, 
off a green, you still get the extra black because you are tapping a swamp for mana. So don't forget that. Same works with Chromatic Lantern. If you have a bunch of swamps and Chromatic Lantern out, you can tap your swamp for any color mana and you will still get the extra black. Oh, see, there swamp. you go. Turn two far seek, turn three crypt guys, turn four this guy. <laughs> Stop it. Just no. And then you've got the uh, mutilate to destroy afterwards. Wap the board, attack with a 6-8. Well, it wouldn't be a 6-8 that turn, would it? It would be like a 2-4 if you mutilate with four swamps out. I do still think he's the best of the primordials for constructive play. Uh, I think Luminate Primordial is, clearly. I think that is the best one for EDH play. Nope, Diluvian is. <laughs> okay, you, were given, you weren't even given the best primordial to preview, Chris. Yes, I was. I was given the best one for Constructed. Go away. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> best card ever. Not. Uh, yes, I, I like this this idea. Don't forget, I'm sure you know this, Mark, but if you hit a Cyclonic Rift off uh, unexpected results, or if you try and cast it with Omniscience, you can't overload it. So don't uh, don't get yourself into that trap. Well, technically you can. No, you can't. No, you we can't. have to pay the mana. <laughs> Well, you can't do it off an unexpected result ever, but with omniscience in play, you can. Yes, if you wish to pay seven mana, you do still have the option to hardcast things, even though you don't have to. So, with that said and done and out of the way, let's move on to a random moment of geekery. Adina, go. So I know I'm a little late to the party here, but I downloaded Fruit Ninja and started playing it. <laughs> oh my gosh, so fun, so hilarious. I love slashing fruit. And like the first thing that I did was go through all the achievements. And I was like, okay, what do I have to do? Okay, I have to have a game where I only eat where I only slice the strawberries and nothing else. Okay, I can do that. So I'm like winning all these extra blades and extra backgrounds and yeah, I just I was like, oh, one more game, one more game, one more game and I just kept playing it. So, yeah, Fruit Ninja is fun. It's great. It's almost as good as like actually having a knife and chopping the fruit and making a fruit salad and getting to eat it. Is uh, this like an iPhone game or something? Yeah, it's an Android. Well, it's an, I, I'm sure it's on the iPhone also, but it is it's on Android. Yeah, yeah. It's it's basically just fruit flies up in the air and you have a sword and you just basically you know you're slashing on a touch screen so you're just like swiping across the fruit and then of course there's bombs and so you have to make sure you don't hit the bombs because then they blow up so you have to just let the bombs go and slice all the fruit and if you slice you know in one slice you slice three or four fruit then you get combos sweet yeah. and there are some very satisfying sound effects in it too it, it's, oh, yeah. it's such a fun game <laughs> it's so cool yeah, I really enjoy playing that. Travis, moment of geekery, sir? My moment of geekery is a um, quote from George R. R. Martin. It's uh, with a little picture of him. It says, A reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. A man who never reads li- lives only one. So, read more books, people. Yeah. Read, your schmucks. Shout out to Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so, for my moment of geekery, uh, I had a... Fairly profitable trip to GP Quebec City because uh, I was able to get a good deal on my uh, judge foils. So I picked up a copy of A Memory of Light. About time. 
and I will be diving into it probably after I get off this podcast. So, yeah. Uh, it, I kind of have mixed feelings about it, to be honest. I, I mean, when it gets to, to the... Uh, well, never mind. I'll tell you don't after spoil. the cast. Don't, yeah, don't spoil. <laughs> I mean, the, that you... whole thing in the first chapter where the Trollocs kill everybody, I mean... <laughs> Shut up. I haven't even started it yet. But... The, the the mixed feelings come from it's the same feelings I had when I sat down for Revenge of the Sith or uh, not Revenge of the Sith was it Revenge of the Sith I think so anyway the last Star Wars movie that came out yeah I was like oh my god I'm in the theater watching Star Wars this is so awesome and the music hits and you get all the goosebumps that you get when that first chord hits and then you realize this is the last time I'm ever gonna have this feeling. It's the same with uh, A Memory of Light. I, I've enjoyed that series from beginning to end. And I, uh, when I crack the first few pages and I read, you know, A Wind Arose, and it was this wind and that wind, I'm like, I'm never going to read these words again. Yeah, it is very sad in that regard. The same thing is going to happen when the last Song of Ice and Fire book comes out, if it ever comes out. Friggin' George R. Martin. I played you guys that video, right? The one about George R. R. Martin writing right faster. That yeah. song. The I've video. listened okay. to it probably fifty times since then. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. So let's go on to shoutouts. Adina, shoutouts. Shout out to Martinet for the um, for hosting our website, and shout out to Card Kitty for the image that is on our website. Um, and shout out to all my usual friends that I shout out to, um, and uh, to our listeners and our Twitter followers, and shout out to Jack. And we miss you, and someday you'll have to, like, come back and be a guest on our podcast. Okay, yeah, I agree with all of that. And uh, Travis, shout-outs. Shout-out to Team Girth. Um, shout-out to the wife for taking care of me this weekend. And uh, shout-out to KYT, anti-shout-out to KYT and Will for not making the finals of the PTQ. Yeah, it's terrible. One of you should be going to San Diego. Honestly, who do you think you are? All right, for me, shout-outs. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to all of the judges in Atlantic Canada. I recently started up a Facebook group for Atlantic Canadian judges just so that I can talk to all of them at once and get a nice little community going. So shout-out to all of those guys. Shout-out to former guest of the show, Sam Black, for top-fouring uh, the GP down in, was it Yokohama? I think it was. Anyway, he flew down to Japan to play in the GP and made it to the top four. Awesome. I felt like this was his weekend. I really did. And he said the same thing. And then he just fell short of the finals, which uh, I know he wasn't thrilled about. But, you know, to get to top four of a 2,300-person GP, pretty good. Yep. He's automatically queued again. Is he well, platinum? Or is he just I'm gold? pretty sure he is platinum. Okay. But even so, he's, he's got his plane ticket, so he's all set. Uh, there were some other shout-outs I wanted to give, uh, but they are going to have to wait. <laughs> shout-out to all of my local players. Shout-out to Chewie, because I love Chewie. And that's about it. So that's all I've got. So on that note, let's wrap this baby up. So, for the absent will, for Travis and for Adina, this is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde of Notion. Not Hellraiser. Hell